This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. I have a very special privilege today of being on the road in New Zealand. First wonderful stop here is at the Tifare Ra Vineyard and our host and owner, Anna Flower Day. Did I say that all right? Yeah, you did. No, I got you everything did. right. That's very good job. Okay. Very good job. So, no, thanks for having me. No, thank you. I really, uh, I'm very excited about this. You were mentioning on the ride over here, this is the second oldest vineyard in yes. Marlborough. The vines that we passed by on the way here, you said are the oldest vines currently planted? That's correct. Yeah. So, the winery or the vineyard was originally um, planted in 79. Okay. Um, so not the first, but one of, you know, in the early days of Marlborough, because the, um, you know, first modern plantings here were in 73. Okay. And then a lot of kind of vineyards followed in 78, 79. But we're the, also the second oldest winery. So Tafarira was, um, the winery was built in 1980. So it was the first, well, second second winery here after Brancott. So we always say we're the small, the smallest, oldest small winery. <laughs> oldest small winery. Uh, but also yeah. home to the oldest vines. So, yeah, we've still got those original plantings, which is yeah. a pretty unique thing because, um, you know, at that stage, Marlborough was still a big experiment. People were planting a whole, whole heap of different things because no one really knew what was going to work. It was, you know, one big sort of fruit salad in Marlborough at that stage. Alan and Joyce Hogan were the couple that established this place and had it for the first 20 years. Yeah, luckily kind of planted things that have stood the test of time. So we've got Old Riesling, Gewürztraminer and Chardonnay that were planted in 79. Wow, okay. And they were planted on rootstock, which is quite uncommon at that stage because a lot of Marlborough was still planting on own roots. Okay. So it was partly the foresight to plant on rootstock and then partly the varieties that they chose meant that we've still got those. So then they, they grafted onto the rootstock. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and then Jason and I bought the vineyard and winery. In, Jason's your husband. Jason's my okay. husband. He's a Kiwi. He's the Kiwi half. Right. Of and you're an Aussie. And I'm an Aussie, but mm-hmm. Kiwi, Kiwi by choice. So yeah, we, we purchased the property in 2003. Okay. Uh, so 16 years ago. Well, it's nice. We're, we're standing in your tasting room looking out over the vineyards. Yeah. And they're just spectacular. Yeah, they're we like beautiful. having the little, I mean, it's obviously a small tasting room, but we're a small winery, but we like having it up at this level because you can basically see the whole property from here. So it's yeah. 14, 14 hectares or 35 acres in total. Yep. And we have 11 hectares of vines or 25 acres um, planted to seven different varietals. Now, you mentioned that you thought this was on the smaller side of a, of a vineyard, maybe in, by Marlboro standards. Yes. But 25 you know, acres. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it's not tiny. No, I guess tiny. it is It is relative to where we are. Yeah. Um, but similar size to a lot of smaller states, you know, in Europe that would be like us, be kind of owner operators. So it's a team of five, most okay. of the round. So it's Jason and I and then three staff. And then at harvest time, we would get normally two interns. Okay. So, yeah. uh, why do you even have interns when you have four daughters? Yeah, well, <laughs> they're not too reliable. It depends on the day. You know what I mean? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But, teenage uh, daughters. Yeah, teenage daughters, exactly. You just never know who's getting out of bed in the morning. But uh, yeah, but we, we love what we do. We When we took this place over, it was a bit of a do opera. Yeah. But we felt like we had the you know energy and enthusiasm to kind of bring it back to life. And um, that's what we spent the last 16 years trying to do. I, and I want to point out that you mentioned you're certified organic. That's correct. That's important. I think it is. Yeah. I think, you know, people are looking for more authenticity and integrity and and it's a big process to get certified in New Zealand. It's it's a four-year process. Yeah, we kind of wear that as a badge of pride now, as much as we do any accolade for the wines or, 
you know, happy to just talk to people and spread the story about, you know, why would you go organic and what's great about it. And, and yeah, obviously also having the tasting room so close to the vineyard, people ask a lot of questions because they see kind of different things here. So it's a great opportunity to kind of have a chat about why that would be different. Yeah. Um, so the first one I've got for you is our 2019 Sauvignon. And this is actually a combo of us and a couple of yes. growers because Tafari Ra is a little bit unique in the context of Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, because like we've discussed about the history of the place and whatnot, but when we bought the vineyard in 2003, there was absolutely no Sauvignon Blanc planted on this place at all. Really? Yeah. In Marlborough. Yeah, in Marlborough. <laughs> home of Sauvignon yeah, Blanc. Yeah, exactly. Home of Sauvignon Blanc, and we didn't have any Sauvignon Blanc. So we thought, well, hey, of course we're going to make one, but like, what's our take? And Jason and I really like um, the combination of two of the different subregions for what we're trying to do with our kind of classic Sauvignon Blanc. So still keeping it in the family as much as possible. We have three other vineyards that we source fruit from besides our own for Sav. And one of those is my father-in-law and one is my brother-in-law. So Keeping it in the family. Yeah, and then we have another long-term grower as well. But yeah, 75% of this comes from out in the Awateti. And that's kind of uh, the slightly cooler subregion of Marlborough. Right. They ripen about three or four weeks later than we do. So you get really nice, restrained, more elegant, more kind of citrusy, more floral. Right, so absolutely. Picking up there. that lemon lime, yeah. citrus. Um, and, but really nice ripe acid and kind of more minerality. And then here where we are a bit, is a bit warmer. And we're also on this site, we're on a lot of clay. So you get really fleshy textural, really kind of tropical Sauvignon, and we just love that combo of the two yeah, areas. Yeah, a little bit of gooseberry, but you know, it's, it's also got that little, what I would call classic New Zealand herbaceousness. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. in the Sauvignon Blanc, really well balanced, like the bright acidity in that. Yes, well I think, I wanna, you know, really wanna restore people's faith in why this place exists for Sauvignon Blanc, you know, and I think we just put the same love and care and attention to that as we do with all of our other things. So right. low cropping is a focus, doing it by hand, you know, thoughtful winemaking. Um, so you're, the not wines, pick, you're not picking it up by hand, are you? We do two of the blocks, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty unusual pretty for Sauvignon Blanc. Yep. So yeah, the YRL blocks are both hand-picked and then the Awateti, because it's that further distance away, we machine harvest out there. Uh, thankfully, my father-in-law's got his own harvesting company, so that's kind of handy. Oh, wow. um, and then there's also- You married well. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, did. I didn't, didn't kind of realize what I was getting myself in for, but yeah. But uh, there's also about 12.5% of that's fermented in oak. Because we really like that, no new oak, but just like that extra layer and that sort of, okay. a lot of what we sell tends to be restaurants and wine bars more okay. than being a smaller producer right. and, you know, um, so I really want Sauvignon Blanc you can savour that's delicious and juicy and fleshy and... So when you're aging in neutral oak? Neutral oak, um, yeah. Are you doing any like batonage? There's a bit of batonage, but okay. only a couple of times mainly because we don't want to kind of amplify that too much and then we still want to so we do all of it in the large formats the 600 liter barrels downstairs okay for the yep, i'm looking at them yep so we we use those first for chardonnay and then once they're in that neutral phase we use them a little bit for pinot green a little bit for sauvignon oh, so. ooh, are we going to taste a pinot green we are going to taste a pinot green oh, and it yep. reverts to me oh yeah. boy wow we got a lot of wine to get through. we do i know i'll have to stop talking so much but anyway so that's no, the that's really yeah the sauvignon blocks just that it, to me is a, 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 I don't want to say typical because it really isn't typical, but it is a classic yes. style of Sauvignon Blanc. It just yeah. wonderful. And that's, yeah, awesome, great. So yeah. next up, two different Rieslings. Okay. We actually make three Rieslings all together. So uh, a little bit like some of the other places at this end of the valley, slightly obsessed with Riesling. <laughs> I do think it's the greatest white wine on earth, kind of on a you know, two person crusade to get more people on board with Riesling. Also because it's been part of this property for forever. So I feel like that's our kind of mantra to be Riesling fanatics because 
Yeah. It's always been here, but I do think it's such an unsung hero thing for New Zealand. Especially, so this, yeah, those are 40 year old vines. Yeah, 40 year old vines. So the dry Riesling I'm going to give you first, this is actually 2017 vintage. That's all off the old block. And then right beside those, we planted some younger Riesling. So the same oh, dirt, same oh, oh. of Riesling. That is a Riesling nose. Yeah. You're, you're getting that little pop of petrol. I think yes, you would exactly. say petrol. Yeah. Uh, here. Yeah. But then also the florals and like the florals jasmine and, and yeah. kaffir lime and things right. like that as well too. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely getting the lime in there. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit of it, like an apricot blossom. Yeah, there is. There's often a stone fruity character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but man, you could just, you could pick that out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, actually one of our proudest things ever with Riesling is, um, uh, I think it was our 2011 of this was in the Master of Wine exam. Which is pretty cool, you know. Yep. I, mean, I thought that was actually a pretty. So they put they put this in the master of wine. Yeah, and it tripped up a friend of ours who was actually <laughs> who was doing it that year because he was like, "You're bloody Riesling." He was like, "I so onto that. I thought it was Rheingau. I'd written all these notes, and then I found it afterwards. It was your Riesling." I was like, "Oh well, you know." That's... Did he pass? Uh, uh, he did pass. Yeah, he okay. did pass. Yeah. <laughs> so he's an Aussie guy who's in. He's a he's making wine in Canada now, but um, yeah. Wow, love a, yeah, that is just a, so those are, that's coming off the older block. Yeah, so, that's, so the old vines we find work really well for the dry, just because they've got enough fruit weight and kind of ripe fleshiness to kind of yeah, handle yeah. that level. Because yeah. making dry reasoning in New Zealand is pretty tricky, because, you know, we're getting a gram, half a gram more of acidity than a lot of other places that make dry. Okay. So, you know, you can make dry for the sake of it, but then it can be hard and austere and kind of unapproachable, which is not the point. We want juicy, fleshy, delicious dry Riesling. Yeah, so. well, you, you hit the target on that. Now, that's the 2017 yep. single vineyard yes. uh, Riesling. And we just call it D. D. D for dry. Okay. Got it. Sounds ridiculous. You know, I have right, to say, wherever we've been on this trip, uh, in, whether it's Australia or New Zealand, they really don't pull any punches in terms of how they name things. No, we it's do the, like quite literal things down here really in the Southern like Hemisphere. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, there's no poetic licenses like <laughs> we call a spade a spade. Uh, call it like they see it down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. The further south in New Zealand you go, I think that's kind of quite true. I think we were passing by. It was a port town, and there was yeah. a, a place called The Bar, and I said, oh, yes. what's the name of The Bar? <laughs> the Bar. The Bar. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So this is our 2019 Riesling M, so more of a medium dry style. We're trying mm. to shooting for like a Mosul cabinet kind mm. of style with this um, as a reference, you know. Uh, you nailed it. Yeah. So this is all off our younger vines. So basically you've gone from 40-year-old vines to 15-year-old vines. Same clone of Riesling, same patch of dirt, same everything else, wow. just different flavor profile, and we've kind of tweaked it in the winery in two different directions. It's wonderful. You don't happen to have any oysters around here, do you? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. But yes, it is an awesome companion with that. Wow, so, I would yeah. love that because there's also a salinity mm -hmm. in the wine. Mm. That's just um, so you're getting this kind of juiciness, you know, just that touch of RS mm -hmm. a little bit, right? Uh, and then it's followed up by that beautiful fruit. I'm getting some stone fruit out of that. Yes, definitely on that uh, one. But it then kind of... that salinity and minerality. Yeah. Oh, I really need an oyster. Yeah. I'll be it's right back. So we always just we always just stop that on taste because I think it's the only way to get that right balance point. So it always it always ends up about probably 27, 28 grams residual, nine and a half, ten percent alcohol, so it kind of ticks the low out. All the people that want to drink low alcohol, I'm like, please go drink Riesling because it does yep, that naturally. It does. Uh, but yeah, obviously totally different than that. But just you know, interesting okay. that they're grown beside one another. Same patch of dirt, same winemakers, same estate, just two different expressions. So of that's 2019. 19, yeah. So Reason. we always release that earlier. Reason M. And M stands for? Medium. Okay. <laughs>
So, there we go. Again, well, it made more sense than calling it old block, young block, okay. naming it after one of the kids. Fair you enough. Because right. I think we just love raising so much. I just want to break down the barriers that people have if right. thinking raising's too confusing. And plus, you have four kids, you'd have to pick your favorite. Exactly. Never yeah. easy. No. Particularly since it's two sets of twins. Exactly. Yeah, no, that would be a bit of a mission. So, that's why I always answer when people say, What's your favorite wine? I'm like, Don't have a favorite kid, and I don't have a favorite wine. It just depends on the day who's kind of who I'm liking more. So this is our Pinot Gris 2018. So another awesome variety for the South Island. Gris become a you know pretty meteoric okay. success yeah. over the last sort of 15 years here. We really like the fleshy textural side of Gris, but not too much sweetness. So with this is about a third of this is fermented in those big format neutral barrels as well okay. to give you that fleshy kind of side. And then the balance is tank fermented to kind of retain that aromatic and a bit more fruit purity and, and natural acidity as well. People don't drink enough Pinot Gris or Gewurztraminer. No, I know. No, well. It's all right, we're going to change that. One person at a time. So people drink Pinot Grigio. They're very familiar with the Italian version. Yeah. Right, but you know, when I think of Pinot Gris, you know, either from Alsace or from you know, Germany. Yeah. Um, now here. Yeah, now New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, that's. People yeah. need to drink more of this. They do. So I'm going to encourage everybody listening yeah. to this. The 2018 yeah. Tefara Ra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tefara Ra. Uh, Pinot Gris from, from Marlboro. Please find this wine. You're yeah. on a crusade. Like. Exactly. And now we're moving into Gewürztraminer. Yeah. So this is I've also... never sorry. had, I'm sorry, I've just never had a New Zealand Gewürztraminer. Oh. This is my first. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So please be gentle. Ooh. Okay. It's okay. I've got big, big shoes to fill there then. So this is off the old vineyard as well. So <sighs> wow. 40 year old vines, amazing Gewürz. I mean, it just, as a winemaker, it's really just trying to harness what we grow with this and not oh, mucking around with it too much. Man, that nose. Yeah. So floral. Yeah. And like lychees and you get oh, ginger. Well, yeah. Now you said lychees. Yeah. Yeah. And spice. <laughs> right. So uh, in our neck of the wood, we say lychee. Oh, lychee. Okay. Right. Lychee. Yeah. Lychee. Like so, tomato. Tomato. <laughs> so what do you say? Tomato? <laughs> I'd say tomato. Yeah. 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 But no, we love the birds. And like I said, part of the original planting here. Um, we don't make a huge amount of it because the old vines are pretty low crop. So this probably isn't getting exported to the States then? We do send a little bit, yeah. Of the Gewurz? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, I just, I can't, I don't want to drink it, I just want to smell yeah. it. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a, again, it's a misunderstood grape a little bit. I think it, it gets a rough trot, but I think it's when people have it with the best food pairing mm. that they're all of a sudden like, oh my God, I totally understand now why this exists, you know? Because it's not necessarily a wine you drink on its own. It is definitely a food kind of thing. Roast pork. Yep. Boy, that's yep. just delicious. Yeah. You know, and you could even, you know what? I'd even have that with Asian fare. Mm -hmm. Something maybe mm -hmm. a little bit of spice to it. Because mm -hmm. that Gewürztraminer, it's it's just got that little bit of RS that mm. to cut right through it. So yeah, with making this, we actually give the Gewürz quite a lot of skin contact time as juice because, you know, it doesn't have acidity to be the spine, but we right. found like by soaking the juice on the skins, you extract this lovely kind of like spine of spice right that then it's what gives it kind of line and length and it reigns it in so it doesn't become too you know because i think divert sometimes can be a bit nebulous it's a bit you know but yeah we really like that spine of spice of the old vines to kind of how long are you leaving it in the skins for about 24 hours okay so not terribly long I mean, no not terribly you're not making orange wine no 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 no, no, no not orange wine we've made a couple of those as you know experiments along the way but yeah. i like we found judicious use of skins, yep. you know, and I think also with how carefully we're growing everything, you know, there's meticulous detail in the vineyard and we do, you look at the skins and I think it's like, otherwise, if you don't involve the skin, it's like eating an apple that you've peeled. It's hard to kind of identify the variety a little bit because you get the sweetness, but 
you don't necessarily get that other, you know, the skin is part of the identity a little right. bit. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Well done. Yeah, right. The Chardonnay. The Chardonnay. Yeah. Oh, we're switching up classware. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, a bit. Lovely. You know, I have to do an episode on glassware matters. Yes. People it's just don't a little detail, it. right? But it yeah. is nice. So we use these, I mean, we love Spiegelau because they're um, very versatile and kind of robust right. and yet nice glasses and they go through the glass washing. And right, they actually stand or, up too. Yep. Yes, I'm not a wash, I'm not a washing, I'm very destructive when it comes to so, glasses. So, um, we've actually switched almost exclusively, someone we have company we want to show off, yeah. we've switched almost exclusively to stemless. Now. Oh yes, yeah, I do like those, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're, uh, we're doing a lot of, a lot more entertaining with stemless. Yeah. And, you know, because I have snapped too many stems. Oh. Yeah, well, I'm really bad at like, especially if they're ones you're hand washing, and then you go to flick a bit of water right. off, and, and then next thing the you know, the bowl goes flying. Fly so yeah, I'm really not good with glasses. Right, but these right. are like, I've twisted my share of yeah. right off in the sink too. Yeah, exactly. Nice glasses. Well, but, cheers. You know, this yeah, is cheers. Be like, yeah. Thank you. So this is our Chardonnay. Tell me about it. 2018. Right. Also off the old vineyard. So again, we've got 40 year old vines, and I think. Making Chardonnay as a winemaker, you can't help but kind of veer in the direction of what you like because there's so many more winemaking kind of choices that you could give five winemakers the same batch of Chardonnay and the five wines would turn out completely different because of the direction they've gone in. So Jason and I just make Chardonnay we like drinking, really. Another right. unsung hero for Marlborough. You know, again, Chardonnay, my opinion is it's one of those great varieties that a winemaker can really express their personality in, in Chardonnay. I think Pinot to some extent the same. Mm. Your personality is uh, fun, but serious, bright, yet depth yeah. in this. I mean, now you and your husband are both winemakers. That's correct, yes. So is this a joint project? It very much is. I think we met doing harvest together, so we kind of knew we could do that without killing each other, because obviously right. two winemakers, two opinions. We're both Leos as well, so it gets a bit oh, you know, interesting <laughs> at times. But yeah, no, winemaking-wise, I think we're on the same page 98% of the time. So well, it's I very love the much page a joint Chardonnay effort. is on. Uh, yeah. This Chardonnay is just absolutely fantastic. I I love it. It's Now, is this seeing some oak tree? Yeah, so it's all fermented in the large formats. In the large formats. So again, 600 so liter barrels. barrels but yeah. yeah, okay. But we um, actually so, only about use about 25% new because we've really found that you know, we've got this beautiful fruit, which has a lot of complexity and concentration. We want the oak to be more of a subtle kind of layer in the wine than being too and dominant. It yeah. It, it's subtle. It's there. It's absolutely there. And the, and the fact that you're using the larger barrels, you're playing with the ratio, the wine to wood ratio, right from the get-go. But uh, I have to say that the balance in this Chardonnay, I'm going to actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to pour myself yeah, a little no, bit more. Yeah, no, 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 go for it. I accidentally drank some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's all good. No worries. Oh, like is... I said, I, you know, it's just another great variety yeah. for New Zealand that um, I think is only But just... I haven't tasted anything like this. No. Yet, and uh, I have to say, now are you exporting that to the United States? We you do. said it's on your, your old block. Yeah, so it's on the old block. So yeah, we do. The wines... Um, if I can say who the, where they're mm -hmm. available. So we, we currently only sell in California, but we're direct imported by a family company there called K&L, who you might okay. be familiar with. They have a lovely big store in downtown San Fran and one in Redwood City and one in Hollywood. So they uh, have been taking our wines for nearly 10 years and they actually take the whole range, which is pretty cool. So well, we'll have to get in touch with them, see if we can get them out on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Because that, uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast that are in the uh, California, uh, again, you're gonna to wanna to try to find the 2018 Chardonnay here, it's from uh, Tafari Ra. That's gonna be a hard act to follow. <laughs> 
Well, I guess the focus with us is really making the best thing of each thing we can. You know, we're well behind in yeah. trying to be the biggest in Marlborough. Jason and I just really want to be the best. That's kind of what gets us out of bed in the morning. And so far, so good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Right. Well, it's a lot of little well, details. Let's see how you do with the Pinot. Okay. Pinot, we'll see how we go. So really, we both love Pinot. And I always joke with people that Jason thinks I moved to New Zealand because of him, but actually really it was because of Pinot Noir. <laughs> Uh, because I'd worked a little bit with it in Australia, so in the Yarra and in Tasmania, and then I worked in Oregon um, and just fell in love with Pinot. So we both thought, whatever we end up doing. So weird, you know, I would almost say this smells like an Oregon Pinot. Yeah, I think there's That's... a bit of commonality between Marlborough wow. and Oregon. Yep. So this one is our main Pinot. So this is the 2016 Tafari Ra, and this is a blend from two sites again. So 50% off our own vineyard yep. and 50% off a grower. But this time around, the grower's vineyard's really close by because this kind of southern side of the Wairau Valley and up all of the side valleys has kind of become Pinot's happy place. So I've got a map here which doesn't help because it doesn't work for a podcast. But anyway, I can show, I can show you Scott. So the red on this map, which yep. you can get this map from Marcus could send this to you, that okay. one Marlborough, because yep. they did this map. It just shows the breakdown of where the Pinot is in Marlborough. Yep. And Marlborough had a bit of a false start with Pinot because a lot of it was planted here for making sparkling base and was also planted on the wrong sites. So. We're just on the edge of this kind of different soil type here, which we call Southern Valleys or Southern Clays, but really it's a lot older soil, it's a lot less fertile, it's much more suited to Pinot Noir, much bigger clay right. component, and became a game changer for Marlborough and Pinot. So first plantings kind of on these bits were early 90s, early to mid 90s, and it sort of changed the landscape straight away for Pinot. It's sort of, Pinot's migrated in Marlborough now to over here, uh, because it's just much more suited. And now we've got, you know, some really good vine age. You've got 15 to 20 years vine age on a lot of the sites. I think Marlborough Pinot is like the, you know, sleeping sleeping thing that people haven't discovered. So I'll try to describe this. I don't know that I'll do very well, but we're real, we're sitting in the middle of a valley here. We are. We're and in the wire the Right? Yep. And this valley has uh, ridges, pretty significant mountain ranges on both sides. Yep. And it's open to the sea to the east. So we have, uh, you know, this... It looks like we've got a wonderful maritime influence that can kind of blow in from the east. Yeah. But I understand that you get a lot of cooler weather coming up from the south, but you're protected by the ranges. We are. So the Wairau is kind of protected on three sides because we've got the Richmond Ranges to the, to the north east. Yep. We've got other ranges that tuck around us up the top of the Wairau Valley. And then we've got the Wither Hills and then the Blairick Range that separate us from the Awatiti. So right. To, those are to the south. Yes, to the south. Right. Yeah. So yeah. towards Kaikoura. So it's kind of like this tongue that reaches in from the, the yeah, east. Yeah, it is. Wonderful. And you, you've got the clay soils and you also have the alluvial we do. soils. Yeah. Here. And this particular... Pinot is from the clay. It's from the clay. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, not to be sexist, but it's sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I think Pinot is meant to be that. It's kind of... Um, it's Jason and I really like silky, supple, savory kind of Pinot Noir. So that's yeah. what we're trying to make. Yeah. So Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, so on the home site, we've got um, eight different clones of Pinot. And on the growers site, there's four. So it's a combination of all 12 of those little parcels, all hand-picked and hand-sorted. And when it comes to Pinot and Syrah, we actually berry sort. So it's slightly OCD, but I think for making great Pinot, it's what you need to do. Oh, that is delicious. Now it's the 2016. Yeah. And how does that differ from the 2015? Well, the 15 is a single vineyard. So oh, okay. off our own site and one of the other organic Pinot vineyards we work with, we do some small single vineyard bottlings. So normally only 50 to 150 cases. And it's no, the winemaking is no different. It's just that when we do the blend, we kind of just select a couple of little bits 
that sort of showcase the vineyards the best, that sort of show the vineyard's voice the best. I think that's what single vineyard's meant to be. It shouldn't be about us as winemakers showing you our winemaking. It's meant to be about the two mm-hmm. sites. So we make a single vineyard from the home block, which is this 15. Okay. And we also make a single vineyard from another organic um, Pinot vineyard called Claven. Uh, but I'm actually sold out of that right but now. The 15, so the 16 is, is not labeled organic only no. because um, you're blending in other yes so it's vineyard. made organically but the growers site is not fully certified right. whereas this one this single vineyard because it's all off the home block is fully organic so this has just been released in the last couple of weeks so the beauty of doing these small batches is we can hold them back right. you know you wish you had the luxury to hold everything back to right. it was but we wouldn't be in business for very long or if we you, did that. a really big warehouse yeah yeah exactly and a very cross bank manager <laughs> yeah. um so yeah, but we have that luxury with those really small batch pinots to hold them back because we're on the, you know, we're probably about a month away from having the 2017 out of this new blend here at Cellador. But then yeah, literally, so this might be sometimes two vintages behind the single vineyard release. And by the way, Cellador means a tasting, tasting room. Yeah. Right, Sorry, again, another lit- no, no. literal Aussie no, Kiwi no, no. thing. No. But no. ours literally is a cellar door because, you know, the cellar no, there is, is there a cellar. and it's a door. <laughs> so, you know, it's there quite a, a true name. Yeah, but I have to clarify. Yes. For the folks back home. Exactly, yeah. The diff- slightly different nomenclature for things. It's all good. Mm. Yum. Okay, so we're the first one was what I would have said was mm-hmm. know, sexy and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. This one has, has, I think, a little more grip. Some, you know, there's a, there's a, a little bit more of a savory element for me in, yes. in this, uh, and it is just, it's wow, it keeps going. Yeah, it's like keeps going. Well, I really love uh, line and length in Pinot, and I think that's Marlborough's hallmark. You know, we don't have the bigger, gruntier, kind of darker fruit that you'd see in Otago, right? And equally, we don't have the real sinewy kind of spice that you see in Martinborough, but Marlborough has this lovely suppleness and this amazing, just, if you do it right, this amazing line and length of it does. just this like train just, tracks. It just keeps you know? going and yeah. going and, uh, yeah. you know, a little, a little bit of the dark cherry mm. bedrock, uh, yeah. which, you know, which I think is kind of anchoring this wine. And then you kind of get this lengthy minerality for me, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting this mm-hmm. lengthy minerality. And just a, a, a lovely Pinot I would have uh, on its own. Well, what would you pair this with? What would you enjoy this with? Well, the, the, the main blend I'd have, my husband likes hunting. That's his like mm. downtime thing. So he goes duck shooting. He comes back with duck. We're all happy. So I'd have right, the 16 right. probably with duck. But this can do even into darker kind of game meats like venison or something like that. Right, it's really right, awesome with yeah. that Pinot. Just because as you say, it's got those more darker, kind of more savory elements. Well, just things with quite earthy flavors. I really like Pinot with, um, if I wasn't drinking Barolo, you know, with like a mushroom risotto or something like that. I think that's the bomb with, oh, with, with yeah. Pinot. Particularly that one. Yes, particularly the, this one. The 15 Yes, home the block. 15. Yep, exactly. Okay. Right. Now, we've now. got a little cheeky, another Riesling, just to kind of make it a little bit different. So this is like, And down the home stretch. <laughs> yes. 2017 Noble Riesling. So the people that started this place, whose names were Alan and Joyce Hogan, he was obsessed with making dessert wines. And some years they actually made four or five different versions. So from Riesling, from Gewürztraminer, from Semillon, which these have planted, he did like bunch selection, berry selection, and it kind of became this legendary place for making sweet wines. So like a truck and bear and option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we don't make them all the time because obviously we spend, especially with being organic, you spend the whole season trying to avoid botrytis and everything else. <laughs> um, so it's not really, you know, we sometimes leave a small parcel of reasoning out for it, but we hadn't made one for a number of years and then we just got something kind of lucky fall in our lap. So this is actually from a friend's vineyard in Rapara. So just back on the Wairau plane. And he's got lovely old reason vines and they've been managed organically because they were going to a different producer. And then... 
there was a change of ownership and they didn't take the fruit anymore, so he was left with it. And he said, oh look, do you guys wanna have it? And we're like, well, yeah, we can help you make it into wine and you know find a home for it. And then um, we were quite picked quite early in 17, but his site's a bit cooler and a bit later. And there was a lot of rain in Marlborough at the end of the 17 harvest. And so he rang and said, oh, look, it's got hosed on. Don't worry about it. You know, it'll be fine. And then he rang back about two weeks later and said, the Botrytis looks amazing. Do you want to come and have a look and see if you think you could make a sticky, as again, we call it here. A sticky? Sticky. Sticky okay. because they are, you know. So, um, and we went and looked at it and oh my goodness, it was about 95% perfect noble rot. Wow, you can tell just pouring it out. Yeah. Pouring's the wrong word. Yeah, it's kind of oozing <laughs> out. Oozing out of the bottle. Lusciously right. oozing out. So, uh, yeah, so this is this is not from our home block, but it's something very dear to our hearts. And we had a young Austrian guy working for us that harvest as well, who was absolutely fizzing when he saw the fruit. So we only made 617 half bottles of this, wow. but just another awesome expression of what you can do with Riesling. Thank you for sharing this. I mean, that's a, not a lot of wine you made. No, it's not. <laughs> and the fact that you just opened one for me, I'm very, very flattered uh, and humbled because, I mean, right off the nose, you get this beautiful candied apricot yeah right yeah. and this honey this honeyed notes and then yeah. like a candied orange rind yes there is yes exactly you know? yeah well when i was a child oh, my grandma man. made yes. um marmalade from kumquats i don't know if you yep, know i do yep. i know kumquats so kumquat marmalade is what this reminds me of because it's kind of as you say it's got this kind of caramelized yeah, 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 yeah. thing yeah. it's got the citrus it's just got yeah. yeah um and we like making if we're going to make a sweet wine we like making Botrytis influence because I think you just get this extra dimension of kind of concentration and complexity as opposed to kind of just a late harvest where they're getting very very ripe and I think they always have this nice um, this has this really good pithiness it's almost like a grapefruit pith but right. it does help counterbalance the sweetness yeah so a very dear friend of mine Chet back in the states makes a, a marmalade from caracara oranges mm. and this is really just almost spot on swallowed yeah so I'm not spinning that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you know, first of all, super viscous, but oh, I can't get it talk. No, I know it's so delicious. It's yeah. stunning, and it's so balanced for being so sweet. Mm. It's just got that right amount of acidity to kind of hold that up. Yeah, that is brilliant. Mm. I am sorry you don't make more of that. No, well, we just do when we've got the opportunity. I think it's yeah. just you know. Um, because, uh, yeah, when we had the chance to take that fruit, we just jumped on it and went, yes, absolutely, we'd love to. So um, How crazy would this be to have with Fagua? Oh, amazing. And that's the thing I always tell people is like, because we talk about these as being dessert wines, but they're not really. I think they're better pairings with that, like foie gras or a duck liver parfait or something like right, that. Or, right. you know, even a, the right match with the blue cheese or oh, blue having, cheese. having oh, these as an aperitif. A you know, blue cheese yeah. like this. Yeah. Because, you know, you want that a little bit of that saltiness to break through on this. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and the fat. Yes. You need something with fat in this. Yeah. So mm. that's 240 grams residual sugar. <laughs> we couldn't actually even measure it in our own because we've only got a fairly basic winery lab here because obviously we wow. make fairly minimal intervention ones. We had to actually send that to a special lab to get it analyzed because we couldn't even. It was beyond the realm of what did, we did. Did you have a guess, though? Oh, we had no idea. Cause even when it came in, it was off the scale of like... Of our sugar measuring things right. so again they had we had to get them to check it for us so it came in at 41 bricks which is the way new zealanders measure right. scaling juice and um and yeah so 240 grams and it's it's about 10 percent i think 9.8 10 percent alcohol so it's sort of obviously in that the yeast is pretty challenging but yeah just beautiful balance and just a you know it's, it's a unicorn wine do you know what i mean you take yes. it at the moment because you can so 
Well, yes. You know, I, I tuck that back into the fridge and have it for dinner or something. Mm. Well, Anna, thank you so much. Uh, it has been an absolute privilege to taste your wines and a pleasure to meet you. You live in a beautiful vineyard site here now. Is your home nearby? Yeah, we live here out the back. So literally, yeah, that was part of the reason for kind of um, the other reason for converting to organic. Partly was to bring the old vineyard back to life because I think you had to bring the soil back to life to get the vines back to life. Right. But that's my kids' playground. You know, it's right. their backyard. And yeah. uh, no, so we do live here, which is I love that idea. quite handy. That's great. Uh, we're also the night shift, so we don't have a night shift. But if something needs to get done, if you need to taste something early in the morning or if the pinots are peaking temperature and you need to plunge them at two o'clock, we literally set our alarm and come over in our pajamas and plunge pinot <laughs> and then go back to bed and get up and do the next day of harvest. So it, yeah, it's worked well. And it worked well for when the girls were little because the baby monitor would work over here so I could be helping Jason in the winery and then um, be rushed back over there once everybody woke up. So uh, yeah, it's, well, it's enabled us to juggle this crazy life that we have of of four kids in a small small winery in a vineyard. So. Well, thank you for letting me steal 30 minutes of your crazy life. Absolutely, my pleasure. And if anybody is uh, ever in the area in Marlborough, I highly recommend that you stop by Tafara Ra. Uh, thank you. <laughs> a vineyard and winery here. Thanks for listening to The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, and catch my Wine of the Week segments every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, Ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.